You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Nice to have both of you here this evening. He has made it. He has made it this week, and we're, we're forever grateful for it. Marty, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm fine. I'm just I'll just leave it at that. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here, and we're glad to have you here, Bruce. How are you? Healthy and alive. Fantastic. Well, I'm not going to waste any time in uh, long introductions or anything like that. Let's just get right into it. Did you hear about the protest in London last weekend? I did. I didn't hear hear it from mainstream media. I I saw it from various sources on the internet. But yeah, there was a lot of people there, and a, and a and a high degree of people with their their eyes open at last, thank goodness. Yep. The Great Awakening is gaining steam. Uh, That, my friend, is a protest. That is a protest. And what happened there, of course, the the mainstream media, they decided to take their usual paths, you know, Sky News, BBC, all the rest of them. This is a a few thousand protesters at a rage event. Uh, These are People that don't care about uh, you or your family. These are these are terrorists. These are anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers. That's how they were treated by the mainstream media. Only a few thousand of them. Now, if you were to watch all those videos, and we posted some of them on our Telegram feed, that was more than a few thousand people. I think they were missing two or three zeros in there somewhere. Yeah, where, when did that happen? When did the press and the mainstream media become so one-sided. They used to all be independently owned and journalists were people with high morals and integrity. But then you had, in the UK anyway, you had newspapers like The Sun and The Mirror. And the way in which they'd sell The Sun and The Mirror were naked breasts on page three or page five, page three of The Sun and page five in The Mirror. Crosswords, the Sun crossword was good because it had it was done at two levels. The same same set of clues. Some were cryptic and some were just normal straight clues. Cartoons, cartoon strips. Those are the only things I ever used to read in the newspaper were the cartoon strips and do the crossword. And I I am ashamed to say, look at the breasts. But that's how they sell newspapers, and that's what they continue to sell newspapers buy even after their complete sellout and bias was obvious to most people but i'm afraid to say the average joe on the street was just interested in his crossword his cartoons and his breasts honestly i think it was the corporations when the corporations decided they were going to get involved well money didn't really become an issue at that point they decided they were going to start buying up all the advertising and case in point look at the Look at the mainstream media networks in America. If they didn't have corporate sponsorship by a lot of the big pharma companies, I might add, well, then they wouldn't exist. And for example, if you watch, and Bruce, you can confirm this, when, when you watch any mainstream media outlet in America, every other ad is a drug ad. And then, of course, every other ad in between there is a class action lawsuit about the drug ad that you heard about six months prior to that. Mm-hmm. Or fast food. Or fast food. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Co- correct, I, correct me if I'm wrong edit over it and make me sound clever but did you say was it napoleon who owned him and his brother owned two newspapers and that's how they got started uh that's part of it yeah yeah so yeah owning a newspaper something that the masses will read so that you can then start the manipulation and that's what that's what the written word can do it can manipulate well that's Funny how you enough. have readers that's if you have readers. We were Bruce and I were doing a thing. Uh, it was, it's been over a year ago, and we were looking at the contributions of the newspapers, the major newspapers in the United States, and where their money's coming from. When you have companies that are having full page ads taken out, and that means that's who pays for the advertising and who pays for the opinions, the op ed pieces that are written on that uh, on that page. And we were looking at the top three papers: USA Today, the Financial Times, and the Washington Post. Those are 
wholly owned and bankrolled by the Chinese Communist Party. All of those. That's where all their money comes from. And I bet when you start looking around and you start tying in some of this other stuff, I guarantee you start seeing all this money gets funneled in from other places. Then they just tailor what they want. And it's the same thing with this. These people that were out there protesting, oh, they're domestic terrorists because you have people. That was larger than any Antifa or BLM protest I have seen to date. That was larger than that. And those people didn't throw a single brick. They didn't set a single business on fire. They didn't assault police officers. Not one bit. No, it, it was a peaceful protest. But yeah, it's 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 where the money's coming from. And like I say, if if you want to manipulate an entire populace or, or a large proportion of it, you get them first of all hooked on their on their daily rag, and and then you use that rag to um to to prompt them into what you want them to think. And headlines, headline writing is an art form. They are emotive. So they don't even have to read the full story. All they have to see is the headline and a picture, and that's enough for them. They get straight onto the crossword and the breasts and the cartoons. So that's all they need is the headline and the picture to give them the full story in their opinion. The conversation Bruce and I were having earlier on before we started recording. It was deeply theological. I was it was deeply to theological, but what we have to... what. I'd like people to realize and remember that the the method of controlling an unruly populace has the you know, the default method has been religion and uh, it doesn't take much if you if you take every word in your holy book whichever holy book that might be literally it's so easy to manipulate people there there is a a verse in the Quran which says there is no arbiter between man and god that's probably one of the truest things that is in that book because you should be able to read the book for yourself and make your own mind up but the the trouble is when most of our well in fact all three of our modern day uh, monotheistic religions were formed we were running at about 90% illiteracy so it was only a few people who could read that actually passed the message on to other people and we've we've got the the equivalent of that these days or going back a little what you know a couple of decades are these tabloid headlines it gives you a, a quick snapshot that will make you feel a certain way they will create emotions you're you're right there about the uh, the headlines that that's what it is it's it's turned into this people don't read the articles they don't drill down into it they don't get into the meat and potatoes of what's in there and a lot of times when you read some of that stuff okay it's propaganda anyway but it's the headlines that people see. That's what they see. That's what they look for. That's what decides whether it makes them decide whether or not they're actually going to look into that or whether or not that's going to influence them one way or the other. That is what shapes people is just the headlines. So you're saying headlines are an art form. I think it is. I think you're absolutely right on that because I, I never actually thought about it like that. But that's what they're doing. You actually catch people up just by the headline, myself included. Because when I see stuff like, for example, UK hiring COVID marshals to patrol the streets until 2023, that's a barn burner headline. I got to read that. But that's just it. The, the media has learned that either clickbait or hysteria or hy hyperbolic uh, messages gain clicks, gain views, gain uh, the viewership. So if you're giving some kind of crazy, it's the same thing in the science community. If you're not out there spouting the um, climate change and all that, well, try to get funding. It's hysteria and the we're all going to die for some reason uh, garners more attention than, you know, good news on things, which, you know. Uh, personally, I would much rather see the advancements we're making in technologies and, and sciences than hearing all the hysteria personally. But yeah, you see, the thing is, it's, it's almost like subliminal messages. You get bombarded with images and sound bites and headlines, and it causes you to have preconceived ideas on any subject rather than taking each news story yeah, you know, on the basis of, of its facts, the the tabloids have been very good at creating prejudice. So a, a preconceived idea and prejudice are are not that different. You know, if if you if you tried to define them, and that's what they play on. So you've got with the Sun and the Mirror in the UK, you've got left and right wing prejudices for them to to play on. So once you've got your, your readership, yeah. 
by the same owners. So it's like we've said all along on the podcast that the extreme right and the extreme left are useful idiots and they're being mobilized by these these sound bites, these headlines and these preconceived ideas that they've been given. You know, they're not even their own preconceived ideas. They're ones that have been foisted upon them by by the mainstream media. And the question is, is to what end, right? To, to what end? Now, I, I sent you something earlier this week, and, and we've been following, or at least I've been following this uh, this trial lawyer for a good good number of months now. Uh, this is a German lawyer that was putting together, a German and American lawyer, actually. He practices law in both places. And he's been putting together the largest tort lawsuit in human history. Now, that takes some doing. Uh, and he also runs his own personal media outlet as well. So the man's quite busy, to say the least. And he's been very outspoken on all of this uh, uh, this this COVID stuff. Now, I don't know what his politics are. Quite frankly, I don't care, uh, because everything that he's done up to this point, as far as trying to get people informed and, and do his legal work, have been absolutely stellar, in my personal opinion. But he has released a statement, and Marty, I sent it to you the other day, and I want to go over some of that now. And I, I was kind of holding this back, waiting for you to get on here, because I wanted to talk about this. But by his statement, he's confirming exactly what you said over a year ago when it comes to everything that we're seeing with the agenda of COVID. A few months ago, lawyer Reinhard Fulmish, uh, and anybody can go look him up. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to do so. Uh, go to his website, check out his work. Uh, he's got several videos up. He's been banned from YouTube, so uh, you pretty much understand that, yeah, he's he's probably on to something. Uh, he spoke to a news outlet called Germ Warfare, pardon the, uh, pardon the pun, I guess, about his plans to sue the World Health Organization for crimes against humanity. He is one of the most powerful lawyers in Europe and is currently preparing the largest class action lawsuit in history, also known as exactly what we said needs to happen, Nuremberg II. A few days ago, Fulmish spoke to the news outlet again to go through some of the latest information on the cases he's putting together. He says there is light at the end of the tunnel. We've won lawsuits and we will win many more. During the interview, he also spoke on the matters of what's going on with the process with uh, COVID. And he said, these are the worst crimes against humanity that have ever been committed. Now think about that. Think about that. What have they done over the last 12 months? They've taken away everybody's personal lives. They've turned you against each other. They've kept you away from your families. They've put masks on your children. They've kept your children out of school. They've restricted you from going to certain places and experiencing things and, and living life. They've shut down your gyms. They've shut down your churches. Everything about this over the last 12 months has been anything but democratic. We haven't been asked or consulted about any of this. We've been told. And if we step up and we say, you know what? We'll make our own decisions. Well, you're a terrorist. You're going to kill everybody. Just like all those people in London last week. I don't think you're going to get any of those people to take a vaccine. Just my guess. And for every one of those people that were there, there may be a hundred or a thousand who think the same way, but just would not go to a protest because that's not what we do in the UK. We're not big on uh, on on protest marches, on on rallies, and all those kind of things. They've always been the tool of the left or the right. Uh, by left and right, I mean extreme left and extreme right. Those kinds of things have always been their way of getting their message across or worse. And for your normal person who, who hasn't got a particular political affiliation, the idea of protest in, to us is just unappealing. But again, that's the opinion that press, that newspapers, that TV stations have given us of protests they're always wrong. They're always just trouble. They're always, you know, for, for a cause that the majority don't agree with. But in this particular case, I think the majority, it's starting to be the majority, does agree that enough is enough. We've seen through the charade and it's it's time to for us to take back control of our lives, of our businesses and our personal freedoms and health. Agreed, sir. And you know, that that is just it right there. We have the numbers. They don't. They know that they don't. They they've got some wound up mobs for hire out there in the streets, tearing down statues. Okay, yeah. But those are nowhere near the numbers that they need. And that type of an event, and they're gonna have another one, by the way. They're calling for one million a month from now in London. May 29th, they're calling for a million. I'm following what's going on very closely. Uh, and of course, everything has to be kept quiet for a good reason. And I understand why, because it goes against all the regulations and rules and everything else that the government's put in place that they have no right to do, uh, or any government for that matter. I'm not just speaking of the UK, but 
Yeah, uh, they're calling for a million. But anyway, let's continue on here. He said, uh, Dr. Fulmish said, Nuremberg too, as he's speaking about this, he says, so the Corona vaccines have nothing to do with vaccination, as we've been talking about here at Nauseam. Those are not vaccines. Those are gene therapies, if you want to call them that designed to be a therapeutic more than a vaccine. It's not designed to function like that. He says, but these are part of genetic experiments. True. You've never had a vaccine like this approved because all the animals in the trials died. He went on to add that the players behind this make a lot of mistakes behind the scenes. Yeah. Look at all the adverse reactions that are going on. Look at all the deaths that are surrounding this. This stinks to high heaven and they don't want to be anywhere near it. He says, for example, he believes that the vaccine manufacturers did not expect so many side effects and deaths to occur now. Now they're in a panic. You notice they're talking up India now. And of course, Biden just decided, oh, we're going to send uh, how many was it like 10 million doses of uh, AstraZeneca over there where they've actually shut it down all over the place. You're going to send that over there. Give me a break. He spoke to a whistleblower who said that they originally planned not to roll out this whole scenario until 2050. We knew it was coming. And when they pulled it, we thought, okay, this is too early. We were expecting it at the very minimum. We were expecting at least 10 more years, the very minimum. But they pulled this lever far too early. uh, And that's why they're making so many mistakes, because now it's just like they've stepped in it and they can't go back. They've walked into a room and the door is closed and locked behind them. They're stuck now. They're here. So they have to move forward. They can't go back just like we can't go back. He said, then the people pulling the strings got greedy and decided to implement the plans much sooner. He says, I think that's why they make so many mistakes. He's also spoken to more than uh, and taken private statements from more than 100 scientists and experts behind the scenes. Uh, He went on to say that a special court. Now, this is where it gets interesting, uh, which we kind of figured that this was going to happen. He says that a special court for Nuremberg II might be needed because this is now so large that it could go beyond the reach of national courts. And he says, we have the evidence in order to prosecute these people. You look like you want to say something. I fully appreciate his words and I totally support what he's trying to do. But an international court, who's going to stand that up? Because to stand up a court that will have its findings recognised by all, you need power and you need force. You need something backing it up. And at the moment, as far as I can see, Western governments, the the entire European Union, are all bought and paid for part of this problem. Correct. I agree with you. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you one bit. So what has to happen here in order for that to happen? And I'm like I said, I'm not disagreeing with you. But in order for that to happen, you say who's going to stand it up once we regain control, as you said previously, of our governments and we get this situation nationally under control, we can then form those courts and prosecute these people. That's how it has to happen. It's not going to happen any other way. You can't put them in The Hague. The Hague's compromised. That's a joke anyway. If The Hague had any legitimacy whatsoever, you'd have all these people up there in it now. You'd have had Soros in there decades ago. So you're not going to be able to use that. You can't use the the European courts. You're right. The European Union, the European governments, all corrupt, bought off at the top. They're garbage. You can't do anything with it. So we're going to have to regain control of our national governments, and then we can talk about that down the road. You have to regain control nationally first. And you guys are taking the lead on that. And and that's great. That's great. I see that happening. It's going to take a little bit longer here. We'll talk about the French here in a minute. The Germans, it's summertime. You're not going to be able to keep those people inside. Okay, it's not going to happen. You're going to start seeing people out in the streets more. You're going to have to knock off these these corrupt people at the top of these governments. Uh, You've got states here that are now filing suits every day with their uh, constitutional court here trying to fight back against the feds that have seized power. And it's just a small group that have seized power, Merkel and the rest of them. It's just a small group that have seized power unjustly. They're all saying, wait a minute, what are you doing? What are you doing? We we tried it your way last year. None of that worked. We're not going to close. And so they shut it all down anyway. So we've got to regain control of these national governments. Once we bring these people to heel, then we can establish the courts. Just my opinion. No, I think you're right. But what is happening is, as we discussed just a few moments ago, you've got the far left and the far right who are always ready to protest along political lines. The majority of people are only just becoming willing to take that kind of action, here in the UK at least. But again, as you said earlier, the ad hominem arguments that are being put against those people protesting, they're anti-vaxxers, they're anti-maskers, they're anti-health. You know, that they don't care about you or your family are all lies. But those are the lies that will divide and conquer these three parts of society. 
of UK society. Your average person who just wants the best for the country and then your political extremists left and right. Those three elements are being kept at each other's throats by the media. And I think it's going to take a serious leap of faith for everybody to start listening to each other in a fair way and understanding because until proper dialogue happens, all you're going to have is conflict. And that conflict is playing right into the hands of these evil bastards that are, you know, implementing this plan, this great reset, the elite. And what what do they want? By nature, we are familial and we are tribal. And these super rich that are calling the shots, they want their future offspring to have more of the planet to themselves. It's it's a simple case of that. It's down to my family's more important than your family. Me and the rest of my tribe are going to wipe your tribe out and take your land. And it's happening in a way that has taken everyone by surprise. Most people don't even know. A lot of people don't even see that anything is happening. Oh, this is perfectly normal. This is just an unfortunate incident. And they don't see the intent of the plan. Well, let's uh, let's follow up with that, because this attorney seems to follow right along with kind of what you're saying here. Uh, he says, now, who are the people that are pulling the strings? Well, according to him, he says it is a group of around 3000 super rich, which I said, that's uh, that's actually higher than what my estimate was. My estimate was about a couple thousand of them. Now, this group includes Surprise, surprise. The Davos clique. Yeah. Around Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Right. And what do they want? They want complete control over people. They bribe doctors, hospital staff and politicians. That we know. That we know. They were paid how much to list a COVID patient in a hospital? They were paid how much to put that patient on a ventilator? They were paid how much to write that on the death certificate? That's not a bribe. That's that's not a bribe all the way through, all the way up the chain. That's that's not a bribe. Or even the more recent ones that they've been doing with the, um, uh, you know, after the person's passed away, if you think it was COVID related, you can get uh, up to $44,000. Yeah, you know, that's yep. them bribing the, the average person now. The element of COVID that kills people, so an actual COVID death, is the pneumonia response with the lungs filling with fluid. and um, Which could easily be the flu. It's the same thing. It, it is. But of course, if someone's got this persistent cough and they go into hospital and they are intubated, there is also a condition which pre-exists COVID called hospital-induced pneumonia. And it's the introduction of bacteria uh, deep into the respiratory tract, which then kicks off the response by the lungs to that bacterial infection. And, you know, it, it's a horrible, horrible way to go. But COVID itself, if you're not hospitalized, you seem to have a higher survival rate. So it's, it's been these people with pre-existing uh, morbidities such as asthma, any diabetes. kind of respiratory disorder, uh, diabetes. Obesity. Obesity, obesity. Is, it, obesity yeah. makes up about 80% of the hospitalization cases. And those people are less able because of their poor state of health to fight off an infection. And so because they fudged the figures about the number of deaths, deaths with COVID, comorbidity deaths, because they, they lied about those figures, we don't actually know. It would take a, a forensic search of all of the hospital records to actually come up with the real numbers. And by now, never mind track and trace, they are, you know, removing all trace of, of the evidence. Yeah, sorry, I've, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but... Um, no, you're all right. You're okay. So uh, let's let's continue on here. He says, the people who do not cooperate with this are threatened. Yeah, well, that's kind of what it's been. Yeah, you don't, don't get in line, well, then we'll remove you. If you're the uh, CEO of a major corporation and you don't want to play ball, you're not there anymore. Two major corporations have had CEO changes in the last year, one of which being Audi. Uh, yeah, we're not going to... We're not going to make electric cars. We're not going to give up uh, petrol power cars. Oh, you're not? Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. We appreciate your stance on that. He fell in front of a moving train less than a week later. Pure accident. Merck. Do you remember Merck? Merck Pharmaceuticals? Yeah. January said, oh, no, we're not going to get involved in this vaccine stuff. No, we're not going to do that. CEO stepped down last week. Strange. Hmm. They put in someone who will play ball, I guess. Anyway, moving right along. 
Uh, he says they use all kinds of psychological techniques to manipulate people. I can assure you that that's what it is. As many history books as I've sat down and I've read, and I've looked at totalitarianism from both extremes in the last hundred years, this is the most sophisticated form of propaganda I have ever seen, ever. I cannot even compare this to anything else. I am able, in, and even not fully, I mean, it is good propaganda. I'll give him that. It is very good propaganda. I'm not able to understand the level, though, of how people are sucked into it. That part right there still eludes me. I can see through it, but the only reason I can see through it is because I know how these techniques work. They know, these scientific engineers, like these people and the people that work for their think tanks, they understand what make people tick, and they're using it against you. I think the um, the proportion of actual virologists, doctors, and you know medical professionals compared with the number of psychologists psychiatrists and behavioral scientists within sage as it was set up to deal with the pandemic in the uk was totally disproportional and why was it disproportional it's because they have to understand how people will behave rather than how to keep them healthy i think that was the whole purpose of setting it up that way. As far as the propaganda goes, um, I think Goebbels would be proud of what's going on today. He would be. He would be. The the way that this has all been handled, absolutely. You look at this as as a as an experiment, a period in, in which Big Pharma is getting a chance to do all kinds of experiments. Well, we've mentioned it before. The last time that happened was in the concentration camps. Mengele did all kinds of absolutely horrific things. Now, not many people will admit it, but some of the things that he did have helped medical science today. I can't think of many examples, but one that everyone can relate to is the, you know, when you have a, a blood test and they draw blood and there's that little needle that goes in first and then the blood just keeps coming out and they fill the vials up? Yeah. Well, that, that was invented by Mengele in an experiment to see how fast he could desanguinate a live human. And we use it today. And part of this might be that Big Pharma, where there's an awful lot of money, um, wants to conduct a few experiments. You're giving these people too much credit. Well, I'm just putting it out there. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate. Fair point. Fair point. No, I'll give you that. Fair point. Now, he was also, the, the, the attorney here was also speaking about why Europe is the main battlefield. And this right here, this corroborates everything that you had assumed uh, up to last year, uh, Marty. This was this was it. This is what stood out to me. This is why I wanted to talk about it with you. He also spoke to another whistleblower who explained why Europe is the main battlefield for this war. And make no mistake about it, they are at war. Europe is completely bankrupt. The pension funds have been completely looted. And that's why they want to get Europe under control before people know what's going on. Do you have any idea what the people of Europe are going to do to these people if they find out that their pensions have been robbed? They are not going to stand for that. Right, left, center, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You've stolen their futures. You've stolen everything that they've paid into. And you think they're just going to sit there and take it? Why do you think we're being told we'll own nothing and we'll be happy about it? Because there is nothing. They stole it all. The mainstream media pretend that a majority of people are in favor of this action. Well, they're not. They're not. If you were to ask the average person out there, forget their stances on, on COVID, right? Take that part out of it. If you were to ask the average person out there, you're about 10 years away from retirement uh, collecting a pension. What would you feel like if you found out that that was suddenly zero and you had nothing? How do you think that person's going to react? I don't care what their politics are. How do you think that person's going to react? I bet they're not going to be very happy about that. And they're going to want names as to who did that and why. When it comes to, to pensions, particularly state pensions, here in the UK, we have a state pension. It's not much. I think it's about £118 a week. But when you're, it used to be 65 for men and 60 for women, they could retire and draw their state pension. It's now getting towards 67 for me, for instance, for my generation, and it's later generations is going to be 71, 72 before they can actually start drawing those pensions from the state. And you don't actually pay your own pension. If it's a state pension, you don't pay your own pension. The previous generation is having their pension paid for by their kids, by Fair their point. taxes. But private pensions, yeah, the, the hedge funds are empty. And I was telling you earlier, I'm at the point of cashing a few of my smaller pensions in. And it amazes me how when us as normal individuals owe a bank, 
or a business or the tax man money, they want it now. They want it straight away. But when you try and get your money out of these organizations, these big uh, financial institutions. Oh, they don't like that. Just watch how slowly they move. Because every minute that they've got your money, it's making them money and not you. And that just really boils my piss. I'm sorry, but it does. Bax transfers take, when you send money to a friend or, or a business that you own money, you do it by bank transfer. It's either instantaneous or up to two hours. Why, when these organizations transfer money in your direction, does it take uh, three to five working days? There is no good reason. It's done in exactly the same way as you transferring money from your current account to somebody else. So if that can be instantaneous, so can them paying you. But yeah, I said a while back that the banks are empty and, you know, 2008 kind of brought it all to a head. But what did we do? Or what did the governments do? They, instead of putting the money in the right direction back to the people whose money had been lost by the banks, they bailed out the banks. They threw it into a black hole. They did absolutely and, and, nothing. Nigel Farage. Put, Nigel Farage yeah. was right. He, he was right. If, you, if everything else, right, put put everything else aside with him on that aspect. When it came to 2008, he was right. He says, "Look at all this good money we're throwing at bad." What sense does any of this make? He worked in the world of of investment banking before he stepped into politics, and and uh, at one time he he may have had proper convictions, but. My opinion of the man now is he's he's kind of gone. If you can't beat them, join them. Because uh, again, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but immediately after the result of the referendum, he didn't stay as head of the party. He left and and went and cuddled up to uh, people in medical healthcare insurance, big pharma, and all those kind of things. So yeah, he may have called it right away back, but I think he's sold out now. Good evening. GP. Good evening. <laughs> he returns. He returns. He hasn't been on a podcast in months. GP, how are you? I am. I'm good. Just yeah, you look counting a lot down better. the days till I get my MRI. MRI. Yep. Is it that bad? It could be that bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, better safe than sorry. Yeah, better safe than yep. sorry. You look a lot better though. You look. You look rested. You look. Uh, you look well. <laughs> look healthy. Like I've been yeah. eating. Actually, you do. Yeah. You, you look healthy. You didn't. You look like you weren't leaning up against a tree, crying, stuffing your face full of jerky. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's hard when you're forced to eat. You know, you, you take it for granted that you know, hey, I just eat and you're good and okay. So I had an extra couple scoops of ice cream. It's fine. But when when you need to eat and you don't want to, it's hard. I, I can I can relate to that because I, I like to eat when I'm hungry. And mm-hmm. um, when you have to have meals at set times because you're living in a family or whatever, sometimes mm-hmm. you just don't want it. But if you turn it if you turn it down, you get that look that why aren't you eating? I've just prepared that. Why are you not eating my food? And, <laughs> and so you, you you eat it anyway, but then you feel bloated and ill and I, I You don't feel well. No, I think and and you're you're a man who knows more about the body than I do, but I think the body tells you what to do in a lot of occasions. If you're craving something, like they, they there's this legend about women eating coal when they're pregnant. Yeah. What? Getting craving. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're they're craving the minerals, the body, because the little parasite inside them is draining their body. Of, of vital minerals. Um, okay, fetus. Um, <laughs> they, they get cravings. Women get cravings when they're pregnant because of their body is telling them. And it was only till very recently, and I hope you'll back me up on this, GP, is that they discovered that there were cells similar to brain cells so that they were a kind of intelligence spread throughout the digestive system that tells you what you want to eat and what's good for you to eat and what you shouldn't eat. So sometimes when people are being, uh, you think, fussy over food, it's actually their body saying, you don't really want that. That's not good for you. This is what I heard anyway. And it was on I don't know. I've seen a lot of bodies want heroin. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, when you have those uncontrollable cravings, you know, you just have to go with it. No, they, yeah, there is a, there is something to that about desiring certain foods, uh, especially salts. Yeah. But, uh, 
as it comes to like say stuff of like uh yeah i i really really craving vanilla ice cream not necessarily no that's sugar. That you're craving sugar, sugar. Yeah. that's an addiction yeah but weird things things that you wouldn't normally eat um mm-hmm. you know and, and it's kind of your body telling you that you need it i saw that like i say i saw it on television and it was in color so it has to be true oh well then yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah shall we shall we continue on here so we can finish this topic and roll on to the next because i got a clip here of boris that i'd like to play oh yeah so oh, dear Okay, so the attorney went on to say that he does speak to uh, um, just about everyone he speaks to in Germany, knows that face masks, for example, don't help, and it's you know, it's, it's completely useless. And uh, most people that he speaks to are informed through alternative forms of media, and, and he makes, makes the point, he says, the old media are just, they're dying, you know, they're, they're dying out, and that's... That's what you're seeing in the media with all of this this hysteria and this propaganda. It's, just, it's a flailing. But his advice in everything, everything surrounding uh, COVID and, and the propaganda, he says, spread the truth and facts as much as you can. But unfortunately, don't waste your time and your energy on people who are desperate to get vaccinated. And he says we can't save everyone. And sadly, lots of people are probably going to die. But um, yeah, that, that was his advice. I'm following his work. He's been spot on so far. Uh, he, he does great. Like I said, I don't know his politics and, and I don't care. Uh, but as far as the legal action that he's taking and the work that he's doing to to spread awareness about things, that can't be understated. I think he's right on track with everything he's doing. I have to uh, make an amendment on a now that I've done enough people in the study for the vaccine creating antibodies. Uh-huh. Uh, it's been five months now since I started and the vaccine produces antibodies. Are you allowed to say which vaccine? No. Okay. <laughs> But they, uh, <laughs> I know where you're going. Okay, I know where question. you're going. Okay, question, question though, S- serious question. Why mm-hmm. the delay? Why the delay in what? Well, you were talking there for the longest time. You said they were telling you, well, if you if you get a vaccine, don't go get an antibodies test. And they even say mm-hmm. that it won't protect you and it won't stop you from spreading it. So mm-hmm. now you're saying if it produces antibodies, there's a delay somewhere. So why, why the delay from it's the, the time It's you get- the ability of those antibodies to actually protect you. And we're still in that little bit of format there. But it does produce antibodies. Whether it produces enough, that's the delay. Okay. Because we're still finding people getting it. Yeah. Obviously, I know very little about that field. But if you're testing to see if someone who has been vaccinated mm-hmm. is producing antibodies you must be exposing them to live virus yes and we will get back to you in another three months when we're allowed to release more data <laughs> yeah okay i'm sorry i didn't mean to compromise you there but right now what i can tell you is there's it does produce antibodies after about seven days uh-huh the first of the first vaccine does that help you there marty the first vaccine produces yeah antibodies that helps see i still haven't i still have not had one so and, and okay will not be having one yeah I, I i will not either and i i i mean i know that uh you know, you're probably going to be restricted for certain things because, hey, you know, we love discrimination. So that's what we're going to do now. Uh, but here's a reason. Here's a reason. That's what they're doing. That's, that's what they're doing. You can't deny it. that's what they're doing. So let's look at a reason why I don't want to get vaccinated. There is so much propaganda around this crap that, that I don't even want to get anywhere near it. David Beckham is now out. Right. Everybody in here, I think, for except for maybe Bruce, knows who David Beckham is. They've now rolled him out wearing a uh, wearing a U.N. T-shirt. Uh, talking about vaccines and talking about how you're... Is he you're, with uh, Posh still? Is he what? Yes. Oh, you know, yes. That, that's a marriage that will, will last forever because they... You know what it's like when you find someone who is absolutely as stupid as you are, you just can't let go. There's, mm. there's, a, there's a joke about David Beckham. Alex Ferguson was the manager at Man United where, where Beckham was uh, a long-time player. And uh, one day at the, the training ground, they've noticed that Beckham hasn't turned up so Alex Ferguson gets in his Jaguar, drives around to the Beckham house, and he sees David there at the kitchen table. And he says, why haven't you turned up for training? He says, I'm trying to do this jigsaw puzzle. It's really hard. He says, what is it? It's, it's a chicken. He says, put the cornflakes back in the box and get down to the training ground. <laughs> <laughs> Beckham isn't the sharpest tool in the box. He's a no, talented he's man. He's a talented man who can kick a football around, 
and his publicists and his uh, business managers have made him a a global brand. And you know, good luck to him and Posh and and their kids for their success and their wealth. But at the end of the day, he could well be in that three thousand that we're mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah, but he's obviously at the shallow end of the gene pool. So it, yeah, yeah we, well, let's hear what we, he had to say. We, Yeah. COVID-19 has made us all realise just how much we take for granted. The freedom to get outside and spend time with our families and friends. The Uh chance to hug the people that we love. But we will do these things again. We will be together again. And vaccines will help us get there. Vaccines work. They protect children and adults and they save millions of lives every single year. Vaccination is the reason that most of the world doesn't have to live with deadly diseases like polio, measles and smallpox. But there are still nearly 20 million children around the world who are not getting the routine vaccines that they need to be safe. So please don't wait. Vaccinate yourself. Vaccinate your children. We will get through this together and vaccines will help us do that. Yeah, I'm not interested in that, pal. Thanks for that. I appreciate the uh, the public service announcement. But he's conflating you know, two totally different arguments there. He is. Is, is he not? Yes. He yeah. He's, he, well, he's comparing COVID to, to polio and, yes. and smallpox yeah. and measles, which which are mm-hmm. completely different types of vaccine. They work in a in correct in a, in a different way. I'm saying that as if I know, and I'm so glad GP's here because he will tell me if I'm wrong. Well. <laughs> no, no, no. Go He'll ahead. have to get back to you on uh, on Thursday this week. I'll have to get back to you in three months on that. <laughs> now the uh, they they do work in a different way, but the results do come about in the same format. Yes, you know you can make mix. Uh, you're trying to make chocolate milk. One, you 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 mix the powdered milk, water, and uh, powdered chocolate. You get chocolate milk, or you mix whole milk. You know. Abuela chocolate, you know, whatever chocolate you use and mix that together and you get chocolate milk. The end result of the same. It's just how you got there is different. Yeah. Okay. I can accept that. That's a very good analogy. Um, although now me as a type one diabetic, I can't even have chocolate milk. Thanks for making me. <laughs> I was deliberate. I just wanted you to relive that moment. <laughs> and you mentioned ice cream earlier on as well. And I can't have that. In you know, great comment, you we're know. talking, we're talking propaganda. I'm sorry about the chocolate milk and the ice cream. We're, we're talking propaganda. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, the, 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 like I said, the amount of propaganda surrounding this thing is, is just, it's unprecedented. And, and I want to hear, I thought this was a joke. I, I thought this was a joke, but it's not. If you listen to this, this is a real thing that was put on. This was a real act that was put on by uh, well, it's a, it's a uh, I, I think it's a college student or a, or a high school student or something talking about Dr. Fauci. All right, listen to this. And again, I thought this was a joke, but this is dead serious. Dr. Fauci, give us vaccines. Help all the people who have been quarantined. We'll wear our masks and we'll have to stay distant. We'll wash our hands and we'll be more resistant. Fauci, yes? Promise us, please. We'll have a cure that can fight off this disease. Restrictions we'll lift with some ease. Dr. Fauci, don't forget me. How on earth are you supposed to get past any of this garbage with nonsense like that and with people like that with that mentality? I saw that individual and he was singing that through a mask. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. So this is what happens when you don't have first, second and third place in in school sports days. This is what happens when you have participation certificates for everyone. That's the kind of, oh, uh, it just irks me that good money is being wasted on educating people like him in a university. You need to be people with a bit of edge about them, people with something fire, you know, a fire within them, not just bending over backwards to comply and fit in. Is this uh, this individual? Do you do you think he's um, he's just virtue signaling and trying to go viral? Could be. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's it, viral like herpes. Is herpes a virus? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we have found out, in all seriousness, we have found out that that is a side effect that is now emerging with the Pfizer one, is people are getting the shingles from it. Oh, wow. But is well, there, if you guys mean, like to look into stuff, look into how many people after the vaccine have died within a month. Yeah, that's something else we're looking at right now. Uh, I know someone that's passed in the last uh, 72 hours. And <laughs> no, no. If we did the same ratings, if, if the same ratings were done on, you know, people that have COVID, the, have the antibodies for COVID and die and versus people that have gotten the vaccine and die in the same age categories. Look at the statistics. I mean, you guys won't get the graphs yet, but you guys will get them soon. Unless we... Some of them you can somebody, get. You can unless we know somebody who. Do you know where we can find anybody that? <laughs> that <laughs> sorry, God. But you're gonna find it's it's kind of crazy how the numbers of people that have passed Americans and so and uh, some British people over there on your side of the pond have passed after receiving the vaccine. If they do the 90 day, um, it's a called. Uh, but it's a uh, basically it's the parameters of you know after receiving the vaccine 90 days it's like getting covid 90 days you die you're you're listed as a covid death they do the same thing with the vaccine and it's pretty uh it's pretty interesting how the numbers are very similar except in the age care over 50 to under 65 that's where there's a big difference but well well, i'll get you to that bs propaganda I am interested in those statistics, GP. I do want to have a look at those. Okay. Thank you for pointing me in that direction. Uh, I'm sure Bruce Bruce and I have a lot, like between you and Marty, we've got a lot to look into here for the next uh, few days. But I wanted to get into this. This is a clip also I wanted to play tonight of uh, Boris Johnson. I remember when Boris Johnson said that if we have to stack bodies in the streets, that's fine. We're not going to have a third lockdown. He said that, right? He did say that, did he not? Well, that's the trouble with news, isn't it? We have absolutely no idea whether he did or he didn't, because the first one to to uh, level that accusation, if that's what it is, was Dominic Cummins, who was his top advisor, the, the man whispering into his ear, his puppeteer, whatever you want to call him. And because he was sacked, it could be seen as, as basically uh, a form of revenge. And did he say it or didn't he say it? I think he probably did say it, to be honest. And... I don't think that he said it maliciously either. I think it's a case of he yeah, knows that there would not be bodies stacking up in the street because for the majority of people, the virus isn't that dangerous. So if there is a third wave, the lockdown wouldn't really achieve anything because the people that are already vulnerable have either been double vaccinated if it works, great. If it doesn't, then they're gone or they're already shielding they're already going to continue the social distancing the mask wearing the hands face spacing that they think has kept them safe thus far and you know my five days in hospital back in january i asked the questions to the staff directly what has happened to flu and they all said well we haven't seen any we've not seen any cases of flu i didn't really believe that um, and I think it's a form of mass hysteria that they believe it, that, that no flu has come to the UK this year, this flu season. Same in the uh, same in the US. They recorded, I think it was less than a thousand or no, less than uh, 1500 cases of the flu this year. Same thing in Germany. Oh, but they're saying, oh, well, that was the lockdowns that, that did that. Since we weren't around each other, then uh, that didn't spread. Give me a break. Give me a break. Uh, This is breaking. This is breaking. Manslaughter charge is being brought for French AstraZeneca vaccine deaths. Paris prosecutors have agreed to take on a probe into involuntary manslaughter charges against AstraZeneca after people have died receiving after receiving the uh, AstraZeneca vaccine. Uh, I would say that's a a bit of showboating, a bit of a show trial, um, because the the legislation was that they were given immunity from prosecution to rush the the vaccines out so that trial will go nowhere it will just be a, a piece of uh theater to placate people oh we've we've done this we've held them to account but no charges will be brought correct uh okay so i want to get this clip of uh johnson here real quick and he's asked point blank by the journalist did he actually say that he'd rather have bodies stacked up in the streets than have a third lockdown let's listen have you ever said that you'd rather see bodies pile up and go into another third lockdown 
No, uh, but uh, again, I think the important thing I think people want to, uh, us to get on and do as a, a government is to make sure that the, the lockdowns work, and, uh, and uh, they have. And I really pay tribute to the people of this, this country, this whole uh, country of ours, that, that have really pulled together and working with the vaccination programme, we've got the disease under control. I mean, the numbers of deaths, the number of hospitalisations are currently very low. That doesn't mean that we've got it totally licked. It doesn't mean that COVID is over. Uh, and we've got to be realistic about that. It, uh, it, unfortunately, there probably will be another wave of the disease. But I think that the vaccination programme has now been so massive. 33.6 million people vaccinated. The 44-year-olds now coming forward uh, to be vaccinated. I think uh, 95% of, of people over 15 already offered a, a jab. We've built up what I think are some pretty robust fortifications against the next wave. Uh, we'll have to see how uh, strong they really are in due course. But in the meantime, everybody should could come forward and, and get, your, get your vaccine when you're asked. A couple of things there. First of all, how do you tell if Boris is lying? Uh, his lips are moving. Correct. Secondly, he said to the age group of 50 to 60-year-olds, how many have been offered the virus, uh, sorry, the vaccine. <laughs> no, you had it right. <laughs> you had it right. Yeah, I know. That, that was GP a genuine Freudian, <laughs> Freudian slip. That age group, which is my age group, is probably the uh, most cynical and aware age group. No offense to you, young pups. And so he's, he's not said taken the vaccine or been given the vaccine. He's been, he said, offered the vaccine. And I reckon it's that bracket that has got the highest number of people who have declined the vaccine. I I think he did say it, despite his... Pros did you see that as well? That was a politician who answered a direct question straight away with a yes or no. He said no. He did. He did. And then he, went on, then he went on to tickle the bellies of the entire populace saying how well they'd done and oh i, I would have said i would have said something else there but um it's a family show not on the exclusive um, save it yeah. for saturday <laughs> yeah so he's yeah he just started to placate people then and like that remember that small rodent lives in the amazon that i told you about the agouti yeah which as it's being chased by the anaconda it it passes wind and the bubbles confuse the snake that's what he's doing there it, that was just a load of gas to confuse the public and detract from the question which he'd already answered and said no but he said no so quickly he he said it and he realized he, he shouldn't it. have said it he, he realized he shouldn't have said it and he didn't think he was going to be snitched on by his own mps and of course dominic I've had to drive all this distance under lockdown to check out my new glasses, Cummings. When, Mr. Project Fear himself, right? Yeah. W when do we see politicians give direct answers, though? It's usually in a scenario where they're guilty of something. At yeah. the firing squad, usually. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Would you like a blindfold? Yes. Last cigarette? Yes. Any last words? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd like to news. sing a song. Sorry, yeah. go on. <laughs> you get to hold that. <laughs> Breaking news. Maricopa County, right? There is a uh, there's an election audit going on down there. Big election audit. You've got an army of Democrat lawyers that have shown up down there to try and stop this. Maricopa County judge denies Democrats' request to stop the election audit in Arizona. However, he rejected Cyber Ninja's motion. Rachel Maddow. Yeah. Rejected Cyber Ninja's motion to hide policies and procedures from the public and media which may lead to further appeals, according to the judge. We could well, be given the truth and we're not going to listen anyway. So, so now, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like cleaning up a murder scene, isn't it? They're going in with the bleach to cover up all the corruption and, and destroy any evidence. They're whitewashing with the idea of the, the audit. But what should have happened was the evidence should have been listened to in the first place because perhaps then we wouldn't have a senile bedwetter in the Oval Office. I haven't heard that one yet. That's pretty good. A senile bedwetter. Are you sure he bedwets? Well, he did the last time he slept with me, yeah. Oh, okay. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is this is interesting. I don't think this has ever been done before. And even if it has, I don't know why you would say it. Press Secretary Jen Psaki confirmed this. No designated survivor for Biden's joint address to Congress. There will be no designated survivor. Usually there's always one person somewhere in the line of secession in case something catastrophic happens. It's a worst case scenario kind of thing. So if the entire cabinet gets uh, wiped out for, for whatever reason, then there's always somebody somewhere ready to be sworn in. They actually made a series about it with Kiefer Sutherland, the uh, guy from 24, where he it's a Netflix series. I think it's, it's called Designated Survivor. And that scenario actually happens. And he is the designated survivor. And he has to be sworn in and assume that role. They say that there will be no designated survivor, a high ranking official usually selected by the POTUS in case of a Capitol Hill catastrophe for Biden's first formal speech to Congress, which, by the way, this will be unlike any other speech to Congress we've ever seen, unlike any other speech, because, yeah, yeah, because we can't actually have him up there saying that get get him the shoelace, get him the blood transfusion, you know, get him up there, get, get him the eye lift or whatever he needs. Yeah, get, get him up there. Why do you make this information public? You Shouldn't don't. Be. This is something this is something we we'd never make public. We all knew that this is, you know, the designated survivor thing, but it, it's never we're never told it or who it is. We're, we're never told any of that information. It's always kept quiet because the whole principle of the matter. So why are they coming out and saying now? Number one, why would they say that? Number two, why would the question even be asked? I Obviously, I'm British. I don't know if you can tell from my accent. Couldn't, no? Couldn't okay. Tell, no. He's playing to the crowd, isn't he? He's saying that we don't think that there could ever be anyone who would attack us because we are the Democrats and we're a democratically elected government. So there will be no catastrophe. So therefore, the whole point of a designated survivor is moot. And also, it's, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Because that means your whole country has to accept this person that the party has decided will will take over everything in the event of them all being wiped out rather than an elected person. Okay, they must have been elected in their state or however it was that they they, they came in to be part of the government. And, and the other thing is maybe, and this, this is the most unlikely, maybe there's just no one that he trusts enough to actually be the designated survivor. Okay, last point, because uh, we're, we're at time here. I want to wrap up. I will let you choose the topic of the last point, Marty, because I want your take on one of these two topics, but we don't have time for both. Iran or France? Which one do you want to do? France. Okay, France. That's a good choice. That's one I would have picked. Uh, but just just on a side note, the Iran one was going to be the shorter one. You called it the uh, okay. the one that took place of or the one that took the place of Qasem Soleimani after he was droned. Yeah, you had called it at the time. You said his replacement. He looked like he was just given the poison chalice. He just died of a heart attack. Ah. Uh. Yeah, that would have been a quick one. <laughs> yeah, that would, have been really, that would have been a quick one. His successor's already been named, though. All right. Um, 20 retired generals and scores of ex-officers have called on French President Emmanuel Macron to stop the country from descending into chaos and civil war at the hands of Islamists. They're telling him, basically, they've, they've, uh, they've all penned a letter and they've all stuck their names to it and sent it to him. And it says that uh, these are... According to the, the government, it's a diatribe of a bunch of military pensioners who only represent themselves. However, strongly supported Marie Le Pen, who is the uh, French National Party's. Yeah, they're, yeah, you know who she is. But this is uh, this goes against something else. Uh, this goes is basically that he they're looking at his government's handling of like the Yellow Vest protesters. They're saying, wait a minute, you're out there bashing the heads of Yellow Vest protesters, but you're not taking care of this Antifa uh, BLM and uh, is radical Islamist violence is taking place. So we just want you to be non-biased. We want you to go after all of these groups and shut it all down. And they're not doing it. But well, the letter... The, yeah, go ahead. The, the Gilets Jaunes, the Yellow Vests, Yellow Vests. Would, be, would have been a movement to unify uh, the people of France. Correct. Whereas the others are the ones that divide. They divide opinion. That's what the plan requires. It requires us to be divided because that way we're easier to rule. The protests by the Gilets Jaunes were all about workers' rights and fair pay and those kind of things, which tends to unite people. But when you've got Islamist terrorist acts within France, that divides opinion. Now, France, of course, is overrun with people from their interests in North Africa. And 
I'll, I'll probably get strung up for saying this, but I've noticed in rich Muslim countries such as Saudi Arabia and the UAE and Bahrain, in Qatar, all of those places, people are happy to just live their lives and be peaceful in the main. And this is because their governments have the money to look after them. Whereas in countries that are poorer, the ones that get radicalized see this wealth that other Islamic countries have and think that the religion should get them that comfortable life. And that's why they they use the religion as an excuse to commit acts of terrorism. Real quick here, just on that point, before we get too far down, the rulers of these countries, the rich Arab nations you're talking about, the rulers of these countries, they keep the radical elements in check. They keep them suppressed, do they not? So that none of that the, arises. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, they do, but it's not as huge a problem, particularly in the U UAE, as you might think. Now, the Arab Spring did trigger a few people uh, to be lone wolf activists, but the government does crack down hard on anyone organizing or spouting terrorist ideals. But because the most of the people have got full health care, full employment, housing, fresh water, you know, state benefits, they are peaceful, happy people. They are kind of kept in a cage to a certain degree. And that's why when Saudis go across the causeway into Bahrain, apparently Allah can't see over the water because the, the bars and nightclubs in Bahrain are full of Saudi Arabians. Um, <laughs> when, the, so, when, when the cats are away, the mice play. Yeah. So, so they, yeah, once let out of their cage, they party. But that's all they're interested in is partying, not blowing people up or stabbing people. And to a certain extent, I've told you before, the UAE has a population of about 7.4 million, but less than a million of those are Emirati. So it's only about 980,000 people that the government actually has to look after. Uh, all the rest are expat workers. To even have a job there, you have the job has to come with accommodation, medical health care, and you know flights home and leave and all those kind of things are, are, are worked into it. So although you've got a lot of expat Muslims there, they feel well-treated in the country and are highly unlikely to engage in any kind of um, Islamic terrorist act. Not only that, countries like Saudi, Qatar, Bahrain and the UAE is where the terrorist organizations keep their money so they don't crap on their own doorstep. In this letter, they go on to say that uh, failure to act, oh, I'm sorry, under the influence of the uh, left-wing rule, France was disintegrating with, I'm just reading from the letter, uh, disintegrating with Islamists of hordes of the, I don't know the word here, uh, suburbs, who are detaching swaths of the nation and turning them into territory subject to dogmas contrary to our constitution. Failure to act now could see an explosion and then intervention by our comrades on active service in the dangerous mission of protecting our civilized values and safety of our compatriots. This is no time to waffle, or tomorrow civil war will put an end to this growing chaos, and the dead for whom you will bear responsibility will be counted in the thousands. Do you think that they're actually serious? Um, if I, I can't remember the exact terrorist act that resulted in the guy being chased through the suburbs, which were inhabited almost 95% by other Muslims and how difficult it was for the security forces to proceed through there. It was almost like they were, you know, patrolling through Fallujah. It was bad. Uh, and this is what happens. Instead of proper integration of immigrants, you wind up with ghettos. And particularly with a faith like Islam, where the self-imposed restrictions kind of lead you to uh, want to be only amongst your own kind. You don't want to have bars and restaurants selling alcohol in your local neighborhood. You don't want to have you know, people wearing immodest, in their opinion, clothing in your neighborhood. We've even had groups of, of discontented Muslims in places like Luton and Leicester trying to enforce Sharia rules in their local area. And because that suburb, that town, that village, whatever, is getting on for 90% Muslim, they've kind of got away with it in some cases. So 
No, I don't think these generals are are far off the mark. Uh, and where you've got these clashes on the, on the borders between a, what has become a Muslim ghetto and a Christian, Catholic, French neighbourhood, it's almost the same as in Northern Ireland between Catholics and Protestants. Yeah, You've got those intersections that are hotspots for trouble. And that's what the generals are talking about. You know, I, I was going over this just very briefly the other day with Bruce, and he said, is, it almost sounds like they're, uh, what, was the, what was the term you used, Bruce? It wasn't gaslighting, it was something else. Um, I, I don't recall offhand. We've had a lot of conversations since then. Yeah, it's, it, they all run together. But anyway, it's it, it's that's that's one hell that's one hell of a claim uh, for them to make. Uh, but I I mean, you're more familiar with the French uh, military and how their how their brass work these days than any of the rest of us. So I, I was just actually curious to get your take on it because that's a pretty serious statement to make to say get it under control or you're going to be removed by us. Um, well, it wouldn't be the first time there'd been a military coup or any kind of revolution in France, would there? That's true. Yeah, that's no. True. And like I say, they have got the best national anthem in all of Europe. I enjoy watching the Five Nations, sorry, Six Nations rugby. It might as well be Five Nations because Italy couldn't win uh, if their lives depended on it. But listening to the the, the Marseillais, it's, it's rousing and it's all about, you know, running the, the, the drains with the blood of the impure. So the French, they're really, really good fighters, unless the enemy's German. <laughs> Had to throw that one in there, didn't you? <laughs> All right, uh, we are out of time, so we're going to have to go. But it's been a pleasure, as always, gentlemen. Thank you guys for stopping in today. GP, it's great to see you. Great to see you back on a podcast. The listeners are going to be ecstatic. I just told somebody that both of you were on today, and they said, can you get it out today? Can you, can you guys get it out tonight? <laughs> Come on. You don't need to butter us up. He's a flatterer, okay. isn't he? Yeah. I know, he is. He's, yeah. It's like he's in sales or something. Makes yeah. me feel slightly, yeah. slightly uneasy, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you happy with your home loan? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to talk about the voiceovers. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. We, uh, we're going to have to go. So, all right. For those of you who have not signed up to our Telegram channel, get over there, get signed up to us on Telegram. We uh, we love, love getting all of your comments over there. We've been getting some good stuff in some of these posts. So uh, yeah, keep it coming. So get signed up to us over there. You get all of our podcasts we put out every day. You'll have access to our news feed. You'll be able to drop a comment to us uh, and you'll be able to get access to our exclusive podcast that we do once a week just for our Telegram subscribers. And we're also looking at doing some Q&A because of some new features that they've just added. Marty, you look like you want to say something. No, I was just getting ready to say bonsoir, mon ami. Uh, Abiento. That was it. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, hang on. Hang on. Just a second to that. Yeah, get signed up to us on Telegram. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would really appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, that would be fantastic as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, gentlemen, that will do it for today. I want to thank you guys for being here today. Everyone have a great evening, and we will see you tomorrow. Bonsoir, mon ami. Happy and Jimmy Chonga.